Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, we're going to jump into our scripture this morning, uh, which if you have your phone or Bible, um, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. The scripture will be on the screen behind me. Oh, you guys moved up. Awesome. Good job, guys. Okay, so in verse 11, it says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us, so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and raised and was raised for them. And so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, recon- reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the gospel of Christ. God, we thank you. that you are with us, that you are for us. And um, I believe that to be true about this room, that you are with us here and you are for us here. And so I pray that in the next few minutes, you would wake us up to your presence in a new way, that you would wake us up to what you're doing um, here and what you want to do in us in a new way. Um, I uh, thank you for who you are and who you're making us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, So I am uh, preaching this week the sermon I meant to preach last week, but if you were here, you know that Daniel was in the hospital, but then he was singing today. He's great, so thank you for praying for him. Turns out he was just really dehydrated, we think, and blood sugar and heat exhaustion, and that apparently is a really bad combo to get all three of those at the same time. So uh, that's where we are. Um, But he and I um, had planned to go to New York uh, this week, and, and we went anyway, and uh, he felt really good, 
Um, part of the reason he was in the hospital is his heart rate was really low, and he kept telling uh, the nurses that that was because he was, and I'm quoting him here, an elite athlete. So um, if you need any personal coaching, my husband would definitely volunteer for that. But um, the, that elite athlete did a lot of walking in New York. We walked a ton this week. Um, so my favorite place, my favorite person. It was a really, really good week. Um, except something happened. Uh, on Monday, I'm looking at my flights. Uh, uh, I had already checked in, but I think I was trying to move our seats, I think. And um, when I get on, I can't log on to my Delta app. And it was really annoying, and so I, I like changed the password. And when I get on, I find that I have been hacked and that all of my Sky Miles have been stolen. Yes, all of, I mean, and I'm like freaking out because this is how we travel. People ask me sometimes, like, why do you go to New York so much? I'm like, well, I have a really cheap place to stay because there's a vineyard church there. And I use Sky Miles. Like, we just kind of put everything on a Sky Miles card. We use it. That's how we travel as a family. And we've been banking. We're trying to do a big trip. And so all of them are gone except 2,000. The the person left me with 2,000 miles, which if you're familiar with Sky Miles, gets you not even to Atlanta. So, um... I'm like so furious, so I spent all Monday night on the phone. I actually went to the, the airport because it's like I couldn't find anyone to talk to, and the, the wait time was an hour and a half, so I go to the airport, and they were like, we actually can't help you, but sorry. you know. So I end up on the phone. Uh, Delta was wonderful. Um, we get everything sorted. We go to New York. I ate the best thing I've ever eaten. I'll tell you about it later. Um, uh, I don't have time. It, it, it will take a long explanation. Uh, you'll be shocked to know from me. Um, but so Thursday, I get a message on my phone. Uh, I was telling Chad I was leaving my chapel, which my chapel is there's this room in the Modern Museum of Art that I feel like is church to me. And I um, sat there for like an hour by myself. It was wonderful. Um, and I'm leaving, and I get a notification on my phone that it's time to check in for our flight to fly home. When I try to do it, same thing. I get on the app, and I've been hacked a second time. In one week, all of my Sky Miles gone. So it's been Thursday, like on the phone with Delta once again, who are wonderful, again, not sponsored by Delta, but they did great. Um, They're wonderful. But then what happens after that is I find out that I'm not just hacked on Delta, I'm getting hacked everywhere. And it's like slowly coming in. Venmo, that was a bad one. Venmo, PayPal, uh, Poshmark. Uh, Somebody was trying to sell an $800 Louis Vuitton bag in my name on Poshmark. Like, I don't... I don't know whether someone wrote me a message and said, do you have papers for this? And I was like, for what? I'm not even sure I pronounced Louis Vuitton, right? Um, much more happens. Then Facebook and Instagram, and, and, and I'm like suspended on those things because apparently the person put up very, very, very bad pictures on my Facebook. So if you saw something awful this weekend, if we're Facebook friends, that's what happened. Uh, so I got suspended, which honestly I'm kind of thankful for. I don't know if you've ever tried to get off Facebook, but I'm sort of like, hallelujah, I hated that thing anyway. Um, but Facebook owns Instagram, and I'm like, I'm being such a brat about Instagram. Like, my Instagram being gone is so very sad to me. It's like all of the pictures of our kids when they were little, and like the day Huck was born is on Instagram. And maybe you should save your pictures other places. This is your PSA from your pastor. Um, but I'm very attached to it, and so I'm so sad. I have 30 days to like appeal this decision. Anyway, um, all this has happened, and all this has happened over the last few days, and it is so, so frustrating, and, and I hate it, and, and I, like, there are way worse problems in the world, absolutely, um, but this one is a really annoying one. <laughs> like, it's just super annoying, and it makes me mad, and it makes me anxious. If you've ever had anything stolen from you, um, it just makes you feel vulnerable in, like, a different way, you know, and um, again, not the worst thing going on in the world, definitely not the worst thing going on in this room, um, but one of those super annoying and frustrating things that take us up 
loads of time uh, on the phone with companies. Or have you ever tried to find the phone number of a company? You can't anymore. They don't have phones. Uh, and so it's just super annoying. And um, so at some point during this mess, I get an email from the hacker. Um, and I, I wanted to put it up on the screen because it's hilarious, but uh, I don't want to give them that much credit. Um, but, but basically, this, this while hilarious email is also fil- terrible and filled with threats of what he or she will do or send to all my uh, contacts if I don't send them $500 in Bitcoin. And then, and I thought this was very thoughtful, they left me a link to a YouTube video where I could learn how to send Bitcoin to them, just like right in there in this threatening email, which was very kind. Um, But the last line of the email says uh, this. It says, do not be offended by me. And I was like, what? I am very offended by you, like incredibly offended by you. Uh, And it's not lost on me that all of this ridiculousness would happen to me this week before I stand up in front of you and do our last uh, sermon on a series where I'm going to talk about reconciliation. And it's no small thing that that, uh, this great offense happens uh, on the week of talking about reconciliation, which is um, a deeply, deeply held value of ours here at this church. Uh, so deep, in fact, that we don't just believe it's important for us, uh, uh, reconciliation for us as the vineyard. We actually believe that it's the reason the church exists anywhere. We believe that the church, that the people of God gathered, exists for what Paul calls in our passage today, uh, the message of reconciliation, or other translations call it the ministry of reconciliation, Meaning that, that we exist as a people and we exist as a church to be the ones who are trusted uh, with the purpose and the mission of bringing things out of disorder and back into order. From entropy into flourishing, from decreation into new creation, we have been tasked with the ministry of reconciliation. It is the bedrock of the church. The, the message of reconciliation uh, for the church leads to the practice of reconciliation. This is who we are and this is what we're about. Suffice it to say, we are not uh, the hackers of the world causing confusion and disorder everywhere. Our mission is to be the exact opposite, to be the people who are part of putting things back together. And the ministry of reconciliation means that we are on mission alongside God as he restores shalom back to the world. Uh, I want to quote Carlos Plantiga uh, for probably the thousandth time, um, who talks about shalom, this, this idea of what we're bringing into the world. And he says this, um, he says, in the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which, the, in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. This is our mission, the work of the kingdom of God, to reconcile the world back to the way things ought to be. To bring about flourishing and wholeness and delight wherever we go. Open doors and joyful wonder in a world where needs are met and purpose is sure. Uh, In the 1930s, uh, there's a theologian uh, named Karl Barth, and he wrote this incredibly important book called Church Dogmatics. And I've read people 
writing about church dogmatics because when I tried to read it, it was too hard. Um, but uh, he, he uh, in the 30s, talks about how uh, church uh, reconciliation happens in three different phases. And it's a lot of what we've talked about over the last few weeks. Uh, and he says this, church reconciliation happens in three phases. First, reconciliation from God to humanity. And then the reconciliation of humanity to humanity. And then the reconciliations of human beings within ourselves. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how uh, it, in with the levels in which the fall was felt. We stole uh, the, the word from Pete Hughes of the decreation of the world. That when sin enters the world, decreation happens. And that it was felt on all of these levels. That entropy uh, was experienced cosmically. And entropy was experienced communally and personally. And this matters because as the fall uh, had great impact on all of these levels, so does the message of reconciliation. Because through the cross of Jesus, redemption and reconciliation are offered at every single level that the fall uh, brought disorder. Reconciliation is offered cosmically between us and God, communally between us and each other in creation and personally within ourselves. Reconciliation, it's a, a supernatural gift over uh, cosmic and communal and personal disorder. And it's not just given to us, reconciliation. We are also commissioned to it. It also is commissioned for us through the means of renewal. We are offered reconciliation so that we can bring more reconciliation into the world. We are offered it and we are commissioned to it, to the work at every level, cosmic, communal, personal. Uh, our denomination, Vineyard USA, is uh, ferociously committed to reconciliation. Uh, on the Vineyard USA website, it, it describes it like this. They say, Jesus is reconciling humans to God, to each other, and to the entire creation, breaking down divisions between Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. Therefore, we are committed to becoming healing communities engaged in the work of reconciliation wherever sin and evil hold sway. We seek to be diverse communities of hope that realize the power of the cross to reconcile what has been separated by sin. This is the purpose and the vision of what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, I read a priest this week, and, 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 and she said that following Jesus, it's never less than a personal relationship with Christ, but it's always more than that. Not like more in order to be saved, but more in order to live out what Jesus talks about in John 10. Jesus promises life and life to the full. It is always about a personal relationship and always an invitation uh, to more than that. He is inviting us to more in the name of a more full life. And I think that reconciliation is a big piece of the more that we're being offered. Because in the name of joining God in the renewal of all things, reconciliation is the most powerful agent we have. In the name of reconciliation, uh, the gospel of Jesus is the most powerful source of that reconciliation that exists in the whole world. It is our force for love and our force for mercy, our force for peace, for community, for hope, for shalom. Gospel reconciliation is our force to flood the world with delight and wholeness and flourishing. And if it feels like I talk about all this all the time, it's because I do. I really legitimately think I only have one sermon. It's this one. We have been reconciled and we are invited to the ministry of reconciliation to be part of it. So what does that look like practically? 
Uh, reconciliation on a cosmic, communal, and personal level. What does that look like uh, practically? If all of these things were impacted by the fall and we believe that redemption and reconciliation are possible in every single place that disorder and entropy disrupted, uh, then how do we walk out the reconciliation of that redemption? Uh, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about each level of that and how I think it plays out in our church and in our, in our lives. So first, cosmic res- reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and God. Uh, The passage of scripture that I think we've read more than any other one here at Vineyard Springbrook is Colossians 1. Like we, uh, Chad and I, neither one can seem to get out of it. Uh, We keep mining it for gold and then finding there's more and more and more and more gold. Um, But uh, in verse 19, uh, it's like the defining word on cosmic reconciliation of God. Verse 19 said, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Through the cross of Jesus, reconciliation became an option everywhere. A cosmic healing, a cosmic forgiveness, a cosmic peace offered full and free from the only one who could offer it. And as Jesus followers, we believe that that this is our message to take everywhere. That the, poli- the peace and shalom of God restoring the world is ours to take wherever we go. This is the message of the church. This is the message of our church. But it's also a message to ourselves. Because reconciliation isn't just cosmic, it's also very personal. Uh, the next verse in, in Colossians 1 verse 21 says, this includes you. Christ made peace with everything by means of the cross. This includes you. Who were once far away from God, you were his enemy, separated by him through your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. It's the best verse I've ever read. And the worst. Because I struggle so much to think that it's true. That reconciliation is for me to the level of flourishing. Not just that I have been reconciled from the bad, but I have been reconciled to flourishing. That is like mind-blowing to me. The level, uh, I have been reconciled to the level that I am now holy and blameless before God. Like when I wanted to follow Jesus, I assumed that the hardest part of following Jesus would be the things that I would have to give up or like the questions and doubts that would plague me constantly about him. And those things are hard. Like they have been hard. But the hardest part for me as I get older is how often I have had to come back to this verse and wrestle with it. Personal reconciliation means that I stand before God holy and blameless. And God, that's hard for me to believe. It's really hard for me to believe. And gospel reconciliation, it's very much about salvation, but it's also very much about flourishing. On a personal level, it's about daring us to come face to face uh, with this kind of demonstration of love in a way that not only saves me, but in a way that restores me. Uh, Verse 14 uh, uh, from today uh, talks about, uh, it it has us come face to face with believing that God is not tied to our past or our failures in the way I feel tied to them. Reconciliation means freedom and flourishing within myself and freedom and flourishing outside of myself. On a personal level, it means flourishing and healing within my own mind and my own heart and my own body, emotionally and spiritually and physically. 
and outside of myself, holy and blameless and free to walk into creation as a reconciled person on a mission of reconciliation everywhere. Uh, Which leads me to the third, to communal reconciliation, human to human. Uh, The Father has spoken shalom over the whole of creation through the cross and the inauguration of his kingdom, reconciling all things through the cross, and this means us. And then, as Paul told us in our text today, he gave us the task of taking that reconciliation with us wherever we go. Verse 19, uh, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, ministry of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal to the world through us. God making his appeal through us. And so it means that how we operate on a relational level matters deeply. It means fighting offense and oppression and hopelessness and anything that destroys people. It means uh, not just that these are worthy fights, but fights we have been tasked with. They are ours to deal with. We believe as a church of the ministry, uh, the task of reconciliation, that it belongs to us, that in the places where we live and work and learn and play, we have been tasked with this. And I think there's so many ways that that plays out. And we talk about them a whole lot around here. Um, But I feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of highlighted two things for me uh, this week on the idea of reconciliation with other people. Uh, First uh, is that I think that the the task of reconciliation has much to say about empathy uh, in the name of community. And then the second is that I think reconciliation has a lot to tell us about offense. Um, There's a pastor I love in L.A. His name's Albert Tate, and uh, he says this. He says, if reconciliation is not carried out under the revelation of love, then we are going to destroy one another. I think that's true. A whole lot of people have made a whole lot of statements and promises about how the world could be put back together. But when those come without love and when they come without empathy, they don't lead to shalom. They just lead to more destruction. You all have examples of this. We all have examples of this. Reconciliation, it it begins with empathy. Uh, We cannot build true community without empathy. And so in the name of practicing uh, reconciliation, we take empathy very seriously around here. I want to quote Albert Tate again. Uh, This is so good. He says this. He says, to be empathetic, you don't have to agree with what I'm crying over. Just think about how many times we bring stuff to Jesus that we're crying over and he must think that's not even worthy of your tears. What are you even talking about? But that doesn't stop him from empathetically showing up for us. This is my favorite part. The very act of the incarnation is a grand gesture of empathy. Before he saved us, Christ empathized with us. The ministry of reconciliation is not us standing in a corner with a megaphone shouting out a mantra. It is an invitation to a family, a party, a table, where a, a place where love leads the way and empathy makes room for a multitude of stories and practices and questions and experiences. Reconciliation uh, on a human level, I think, looks a whole lot like community. Community with God and community with others. Community with people uh, who are like you. And oh, please, God, community with people who aren't anything like you. Unity and reconciliation does not mean uniformity. Empathy does not mean uniformity, which is really risky. It's very risky to intentionally build community with people who are not like you. Uh, Which is why I think that reconciliation also has a lot to say, not just about empathy, but about offense. 
Uh, You know what stops community and reconciliation faster than anything? Offense. I do not want to be in relationship with my hacker. I am offended by him, right? (laughs) That's a silly way of saying it, but it stops community offense. How many of you have ended, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm raising mine. Um, How many of you have ended a friendship or relationship based on a Facebook post? Right? I have. But I think that the gospel is, has, the gospel of reconciliation is powerful in teaching us how to walk through offense. It has much to say and much to offer on this. The gospel offers us um, a strength and a curiosity and a mercy and a hope and a hospitality that allows us to sit with someone who thinks very differently than we do about politics or maybe very differently than we do about the police or very differently than we do about, worst of all, UT sports. Just kidding. The gospel makes room for us to sit in opposing opinions in the name of Jesus, to listen and to learn and to make room for others. And it teaches us how to stay in those rooms in the name of renewal and when to walk away in wisdom. I have walked away from plenty of relationships in my life because of offense, but I think what the gospel teaches us is how to walk away in wisdom. And that's very different. It's very different. There will be times that wisdom will say to walk away from relationships in our lives, but the gospel of reconciliation dares us to let wisdom lead that way, not offense. There is no hope in offense, and we are people of great hope. Reconciliation is ours to lead as followers of Jesus. It's ours to preach to ourselves, and it is ours to carry into the world our force for good in the name of renewal as uh, we follow out the kingdom of God. So I want to pause in that idea, um, and I'll invite uh, Dan or the band um, to come back up. And I just, um, I want to invite us to just kind of sit quietly in this, um, and I'm going to ask you a, a couple of questions to consider. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just, I've had this sense all week that the Holy Spirit just, like, wants us to sit in this for a little while and, and, and maybe answer some of these questions. So uh, first question is this, what stands in your way of reconciliation? And that could be at any level. Like, what stands in your way of reconciliation with God? What stands in your way of reconciliation within yourself? Or what stands in your way of reconciliation with others? Um, The second question that I would rather not ask myself, but I'll do it if you do it. Uh, Where are you holding offense? I feel like the Spirit honestly just wants to give us a gift of freedom today. But in order to get that freedom, we have to uh, repent uh, of, of offense. We have to follow the trails of offense and repent. Uh, not because uh, the, the person or the group that you're offended by didn't do something terrible. Uh, they probably did. Uh, again, I am offended by the hacker. But my offense doesn't serve the hacker and does not serve me. Right? Uh, Because empathy matters and wisdom matters and reconciliation might mean uh, boundaries are walking away for sure, but it does not ever mean holding offense because there is no hope in offense. And again, we are people of great hope. So where do you need to repent of offense? And then finally, the third question, where is God inviting you into a deeper place in the ministry of reconciliation?